It's Democrats' fault. It's Republicans' fault. They cheat. They suppress. You can point fingers anywhere. Plenty of blame to go around. Do you know whose fault it really is? The voters. For rolling over to the forces that have corrupted the elections in this country and simply giving up. And that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Simple facts sometimes are the hardest ones to accept and understand. But you know what? doesn't matter if we like them. They're facts. That's the way it is. And we just have to find ways to live with the truth. Ooh, sometimes lessons learned are hard lessons to learn. Nevertheless, that's what we got to do. We've got to find ways to maybe make us live in a groove where we just automatically every day when we get up, we start our day, let's just start ferreting out all the facts and deal with those. Long term, that'll make life a whole lot easier for us. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. Do we have a show full of important events? I'm sure you are exhausted already from what you watched in some cases, if you had the opportunity to watch that, uh, that hearing in the House Oversight Committee yesterday. And if you didn't, you better buckle your seatbelt because we've got a lot we've got to get into. Very, very important things are being exposed and it breaks down every day. When I say breaks down, we learn just how crazy things can get when somebody, somebody gets to the head of the United States of America and they don't give a rip about doing the right thing, the rule of law. They don't care if they get, get, get caught breaking the law and manipulating power and positions. They don't give a rip anymore. We're going to see and hear a bunch of that this morning. So, you better go grab your cup of coffee because we got to get started. And it's going to be a full day. So, get ready, everybody. This is TNN Live, and uh, we're always glad you join us. And we like to start with a good song, especially a good song from Michael McDonald. You belong to me. Why'd you tell me this? Why you look for my reaction? What do you need to know? Don't you know I'll always be the one? You don't have to go to be your beautiful to strangers.
song, isn't it? I, like, I just like Michael McDonald. He's kind of got that uh, that big, big, wide voice, and everybody can relate to him, and he does some really good songs. Well, let's get into the meat of what's important in the world around us today. What might be one of the biggest things to ever happen to somebody? Absolutely the biggest thing. Last night, you probably know, even if you don't play it, Powerball got to be really, really big, all the way up to $1.08 billion, billion with a B. And there was a single winner. Guess where the winner lives? <laughs> California. California, $1.08 billion. One winner in California. California, a winner again. The $1.08 billion was the third highest Powerball pot ever. And that one winner in California won the $1.08 billion just eight months after Edwin Castro of California scooped up $2.04 billion eight months ago. Wow. Ticket matching all six numbers sold in California. It's the second time in less than a year somebody from the Golden State won the big one. In February, Edwin Castro won that $2.04 billion drawing. Winning numbers were, last night, white balls, 7, 10, 11, 13, 24, and the red Powerball was 24. Think about what that is going to mean to one person's life. Now, whoever holds that ticket can choose to either get $1.08 billion paid out in yearly increments or a paltry $558.1 million. Your choice. Take it lump sum or take it over time. It still equals $1.08 billion dollars. It's inconceivable. But anyway, one thing I do know, I don't live in California and it wasn't me that won the Powerball last night. Somebody's life has changed forever. And I hope they let it change for the good. I hope they don't uh, go over the edge, which happens to a lot of those big lottery winners. Well, somebody else went looking for a big hit in a big way out of some horrible circumstances they find themselves in. Who am I talking about this time? Hunter Biden. And now President Joe Biden. He is up to his eyeballs in corruption as this president. If you didn't see or pay attention to that oversight committee hearing yesterday, probably the biggest and most important in American history. It's, it's, it falls in that category for me. I was able to watch off and on about a two hours of the questioning. It was with these two whistleblowers. One of them we already knew, a uh, IRS investigator named Shapley. But we had a Mr. X unknown that came in and uh, very smartly stayed anonymous until right before the committee hearing. But let me say this. These two gentlemen, they are literally the heroes for a lot of people in the United States. 
Why is that? Because they put everything on the line. They put their lives out there. Their lives will probably never be the same just simply because they swore an oath and they abided by their oath to do the right thing and to support legality and speak out against every illegal act that they see in their jobs. So where do we weigh in? Where do we get started? Well, why don't we do this? Everybody wants to know who benefited from all the money that apparently floated from around the globe and it somehow ended up in banks in the United States and a bunch of it ended up in the pockets of a bunch of Biden family members. Do you want to start breaking it down? How do you want to handle this today? There's a lot of different things we can do, but let's start here. Gary Shapley, IRS whistleblower, confirmed yesterday that the U.S. Attorney for D.C. Matthew Graves who donated to President Biden's 2020 presidential campaign, refused to bring charges against Hunter Biden for tax evasion. Now, wait a minute. Didn't Hunter plead? Isn't there a plea deal on the table that a judge has got to weigh in next week and decide to either accept Hunter's plea deal or not? Isn't that out there? Yeah. But there's more stuff that keeps popping up about all this. The DOJ allowed the president's political appointees to weigh in on whether to charge the president's son. This is coming from whistleblower Shapley during that heated House Oversight Committee hearing yesterday. After U.S. Attorney for D.C., Matthew Graves, appointed by President Biden, refused to bring any charges back in March of last year, Shapley said, I watched U.S. Attorney David Weiss tell a room full of senior FBI and IRS senior leaders on October 7th of 2022 that he was not the deciding person on whether charges were filed. According to Federal Election Commission records that were first reported by the Daily Caller, U.S. Attorney Matthew Graves, who donated to Biden's 2020 campaign when he was working at law firm DLA Piper prior to his nomination and confirmation to the position back in 21. The donations totaled $1,500. They were given in April of 2020 and May of 2020 during the Democrat presidential primaries. Well, when reached for comment, White House spokesperson for oversight and investigations Ian Sam said this, you can't get anything out of the White House, and you're not going to get anything out of the White House. You're going to have to claw to get any information because they're going to have to be locked down and start controlling the narrative coming out because it is just getting started. Ian Sam, he said, instead of wasting time on politically motivated attacks on a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney, the rule of law, and the independence of our justice system, House Republicans should join President Biden to focus on the issues most important to the American people, like continuing to lower inflation, create jobs, and strengthen health care. There are real issues that Americans want us to be spending our time on, and the president believes we can work together to make real progress if House Republicans would make an effort instead of constantly staging partisan stunts 
to try to damage him politically. President Biden has upheld his commitment that this matter would be handled independently by the DOJ under the leadership of a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney, he added. I can't tell you how many times in this hearing, how many times every day, when there is somebody in the middle of an investigation or a case, a legal case, they always, they being Democrats, when they're talking about it, they'll always say, this was handled by a Trump-appointed attorney. Like, just because this attorney was appointed by Donald Trump means you got to listen and take everything he says or does and just automatically think that it's okay. They're trying to deflect blame. Back in June, a spokesperson for the DOJ said, as both the Attorney General and U.S. Attorney David Weiss have said, U.S. Attorney Weiss has full authority over this matter, including responsibility for deciding where, when, and whether to file charges as he deems appropriate. He needs no further approval to do so. Questions about his investigation should be directed to the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware. Now, this House investigation, it's now firmly centered around Shapley and fellow whistleblower who was identified yesterday. He, till then, was whistleblower X. His name is Joseph Ziegler. Those guys, Shapley and Ziegler's claim there was a pattern of slow-walking investigative steps in Hunter Biden, which included instructions not to talk at all with him at his residence, tipping the president's son and staff off about the ongoing efforts and delaying enforcement actions in the months before the 2022 president, excuse me, 2020 presidential election. Those two agents, they were assigned to this investigation into Hunter's tax and gun charges. Now, that seems simple enough, don't you think? Biden ultimately, uh, this is Hunter now, he ultimately pleaded guilty to misdemeanor tax offenses. We'll talk more about what the misdemeanor tax offenses were in a minute. But that's, this was overall part of an agreement with the feds in a lenient deal that prompted criticism from GOP lawmakers. And it's pretty much nothing Nothing similar to this would ever be offered to any other person other than somebody plugged in to a White House. It was amazing to sit and listen, not to these witnesses, because all they did was answer questions, but listen to the venom that was spewed by the Democrat lawmakers when it was their turn each time to question these men. They were as nasty to these two young men as I've ever heard or seen anybody in politics be to people they were questioning in hearings. It was as if these guys were committing treason just by telling the truth. So we're going to let you hear some of the biggest pieces that came out of the hearing yesterday. Going to let you hear that for yourself. And we're going to weigh in with some other facts. But here's the thing that was most important that came out of this hearing. And it's no longer controverted. Facts are out there. 
and the facts have been confirmed with evidence. And it's only going to get worse for President Biden and Hunter Biden. Just a little tidbit about Hunter. Totally my opinion. That plea deal that he agreed to and was given to him by the Department of Justice, by a federal prosecutor that ignored all of the wrongdoing, the illegality, the lies, the cheating, the stealing, all of that. You or I would never, if we did anything, even a smidgen of what Hunter had done, we would never get an opportunity like that. Alan Dershowitz. He's an amazing guy. I'm not really crazy about his politics, but he is a learned attorney, teaches at Harvard. Talking about Hunter and his plea deal, Dershowitz said yesterday, we can't accept that judge next week that hears this, that plea deal, which basically it lets Hunter off with everything. Dershowitz says we can't trust this Department of Justice and that federal prosecutor from Delaware, Weiss, the one that's in controversy right now, it has too many restrictions. So Dershowitz was on Newsmax Television's The Record yesterday. And Dershowitz stated, we can't trust the DOJ to investigate the son of the man who appointed everybody in the Department of Justice. And U.S. Attorney David Weiss is not able to do the job with the restrictions that have been placed on him. By who? By Merrick Garland, the Attorney General. Oh, I'm supposed to say, before I go into the Merrick Garland story, I'm supposed to say, by Biden-appointed Attorney General Merrick Garland. (laughs) That's what Democrats are doing. Dershowitz also argued that Hunter's plea deal shouldn't be accepted without investigating what kind of jurisdiction Weiss had. That came up in questions over and over and over again yesterday because Weiss, he doubled down and lied to different people when this whole controversy came to a head over the last 10 days about what his power as federal attorney in the Hunter Biden case, what he could do. Dershowitz said, Weiss is not able to do the job with the restrictions that have been placed on him. We need to either give him the status of a special prosecutor, an independent prosecutor, or create one, somebody else. We can't trust this Justice Department to investigate the son of the man who appointed everybody in the DOJ, even if they didn't, if he didn't technically appoint this person. The American people have no faith in Weiss. They have no faith in the DOJ. They have no faith we're seeing administration of justice fairly. Now, the reason I'm bringing you this stuff from Alan Dershowitz, this is not, none of this has anything to do with Donald Trump. Technically, Dershowitz is not a Trump fan. But he is an eagle, legal beagle. He continued talking, Dershowitz did, it's not going to work to have the Democrats investigate Republicans. The Republicans investigate the Democrats. We need somebody of extraordinary credibility with no limitations on authority to look into all of these issues and tell the American people, look, this is the truth, the nonpartisan, the objective 
truth. Now, where in the heck are you going to go to find a person that'll do that? <laughs> Won't have an opinion that'll weigh in on whatever they say or how they say it or who they go after. Dershowitz said further, there's a big problem with merging politically appointed attorney general and prosecutions. He said, I hope the judge doesn't accept the plea bargain without asking questions about who's telling the truth regarding the jurisdiction of Weiss. The plea bargain may be based on an incomplete investigation and not in the interest of justice. As I said, I don't normally um, have a positive feeling about Alan Dershowitz, but he just went right for the juggler yesterday. And I think he got it right. I think he got it right. Now we'll see what happens after that. So Jim Jordan, the firebrand, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, he went berserk at the beginning of the hearing yesterday. And there's somebody, and I don't want to, I don't want to go overboard. There's somebody that is stuck in the middle of this thing that is a very troubled individual, and that's that's Hunter Biden. I totally understand the love of a father for a son. And to exacerbate and make it even a bigger deal is the fact that. Joe had two sons. Bo, Hunter's older brother, he was kind of like the uh, the perfect child while Hunter was always the uh, uh, the bad child. And I can't think of a different term to use right now, but Hunter was that other son. Bo died of brain cancer not too many years ago, and it broke the Biden's heart. Hunter got even further messed up after... His older brother died. In fact, he ended up getting involved with Bo Biden's wife, Hunter did. Just really a bad deal. The president, he's a family guy, and we know that. He loves his family and his family members. They've always been close. And Joe was kind of like the glue that held everybody in the family together. Be that as it is, there's a lot of illegal action and a bunch more of unethical action that even if you or I would even stoop that low to do, we would never, ever do it. Jim Jordan, he, um, he got into some people's faces yesterday in that committee hearing. And you're going to hear several different offerings in that from Jim Jordan. But I want you to listen to this as they discuss who had the power and the authority to prosecute in this whole thing because these two whistleblowers revealed their hands were tied by people at the top of the IRS and at the top of the Department of Justice. And when you're told to do something and you're an underling, especially in a government that is a uh, so massive and has so many power junkies within it, you never really know what's going on. People above you are always pulling the strings. Listen to this back and forth. And last month, David Weiss sent me two letters. In the first letter on June 7th, he said, I have been granted ultimate authority over the matter, including responsibility for deciding where, 
when and whether to file charges. The quote that the ranking member just put up. Later that same month, he sent me the second letter where he said, no, I don't. No, I don't have that charging authority. So June 7th, he says, I'm the boss. I can do whatever I darn well want, file it wherever I want. And then June 30th, he says, no, I can't. What happened in between those two events? Your testimony went public. He goes, oh my goodness, I got to change my story because now the truth's coming out. And it sounds like in this investigation to me, Mr. Shapley, that the prosecutors and the investigators were in agreement for most of the investigation. And then we get to October of 2022. I see Mr. Ziegler nodding his head. And that meeting is where David Weiss told you something. Is that right, Mr. Shapley? What did he say? Can you put your mic on there? What did he say? Yes, he told me he was not the deciding person on whether or not charges were filed. He told us that uh, D.C. U.S. attorney had declined to allow charges. He told us that he had requested special counsel authority from Maine DOJ and denied that and authority. And was denied. That's correct. Were you, the, were you the only guy in that meeting? I was not. How many other people were there? There were seven total people, including me. You and Mr. Weiss and, and five others, right? That's correct. And uh, did any of them, have any of them come forward and say what you just said is not true? They have not. No one has, right? That is no correct. one is. No one has disputed, refuted. No one said you, what you said is not true. That's and did correct. you memorialize what took place in that meeting? Did you memorialize that? Yes, I did. That day when I returned home from the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office, I, I put it in an email to the two senior executives at my agency. You put it in an email that day. That's correct. Contemporaneous when, when it happened. I got the email here. It's Exhibit 10 in your testimony when you were interviewed by the Ways and Means Committee October 7th, Friday after Friday evening, 6.09 p.m. That email, right? That's correct. Sent to Mr. Walden and Mr. Batdorf. Who are those individuals? Uh, uh, Mike Batdorf is the Director of Field Operations for Southern Division of IRCI, and Daryl Walden was the uh, Special Agent in Charge of the Washington, D.C. Field Office. These are your bosses, right? That's correct. Did Mr. Walden get back to you? Yes, he did. Remember what he said? He said, thanks, Gary, you covered it all. You covered it all. He didn't say, thanks, Gary, but you're wrong. That's not what happened. He affirmed what you said. You covered it all, and you laid it out. You spelled out just what you told me a few minutes ago, right? That's correct. What Mr. Weiss told you in that meeting. Yes. And when that goes public on June 22nd, last month, Mr. Weiss says, oh, I got to change my story. I better send a letter to the, the, the Judiciary Committee where he says, I stand by what I wrote, but I wish to expand. I wish to fix it. And then he had to further go, uh, go further in July when he talked to, when he sent a letter to Senator Graham and said, to clarify again, they've changed their story. You guys haven't. What do you think happened? What do you think? Mr. Weiss was consistent with the investigators up until this October 7th meeting, and then he changed. What do you think happened, Mr. Shapley? I mean, I don't know, I don't know what uh, happened internal at Department of Justice but uh, what I can say is that, um, is that the story has been changing uh, from Department of Justice and U.S. Attorney Weiss. And uh, I think it, the only person that's really had any documents that have been corroborated are my own. Exactly. I think what happened. I think it's obvious. Anyone with common sense can see what happened because he said it in Mr. Graham's letter. He said, I had discussions with Maine Justice. I had discussions with the folks, the big... The deputy attorney general, the attorney, whoever it was, I don't know, but he had discussions with the people at Maine Justice, and suddenly things change. And that all became evident on October 7th. And until October 7th, the investigators, to Mr. Raskin's point, the investigators and the prosecutors, they were in agreement. 
Here are the facts. Here's how we do it. Here's how we've always done it. We got the two best agents in the place on the case. Let's go. And then shazam, something changes. And I think it's what Mr. Weiss conveyed to Senator Graham when he said, I had discussions with folks at Maine Justice. We don't know what were in those discussions, but it looks pretty obvious what happened. Looks pretty obvious. They, initially, everyone was pounding their chest. David Weiss has complete authority. Now, suddenly, he doesn't. He doesn't because you guys came forward and told the truth. I yield back. Well, and it just went downhill from there. Jim Jordan is the firebrand of investigations. He's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. He also serves on that oversight committee. And uh, everybody sits forward and listens intently every time in a committee hearing. Jim Jordan speaks up, and he was on fire yesterday. So what else do we have for you this morning? Well, the Democrats, they played an important role in that hearing yesterday. And if you didn't see any of it, you would have been embarrassed for a bunch of different Democrats. We're going to get into that in a bit. And you're going to hear from some other folks that were there yesterday asking questions. And you're going to hear some of the responses yourself. So this, my friends, is a very important day in American history. Yesterday and today. And the fallout, it's going to show up in history books for decades to come. Why is that? There's a whole lot of money involved in what was confirmed yesterday. Now, what does that mean, Dan? That means corruption in our government. And it went in a bunch of different people's laps. The corruption was exposed. And there are a lot of people. A lot of people that are caught up in it. And you're going to hear from a couple of more of those people that are pointing out the illegality and wrongdoing going on in this administration. We're just getting started. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the $3.99 6-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What did he say? Italian BMT $3.99. I call the EMT. Turkey breast $3.99. How much? $3.99. $3.99. Bingo! Time of participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're a pilgrim, please make a decision. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. 
Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Partisan spin? Not here. Identity politics? Go somewhere else. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan Newman. You know what's interesting? All these stories that we cover every day, many of them don't ever make it to the front pages of the newspaper or into the uh, news headlines on places like CNN and MSNBC or The View. You know, that other big news outlet, The View with Whoopi. They never make it there. Why don't they all make it there? I got to be plain and honest with you. It's probably good for us here at TNN Live that they don't all get there because it gives us a responsibility of going and digging and finding the facts for you. And that's why most of you, if not all of you, tune in every day or go grab a podcast after the show finishes live and you don't want to miss it because what we do is we put the facts out there and we tell you this is what we found out. We believe it's true. Evidence that we've been able to dig up proves it. But go verify all of this stuff. It is not just our government. It's your government. These are the people that Americans elected to serve the American people. Are they serving the American people? Or are they serving themselves or maybe a few other select people? Questions that always need to be answered. And we can do it. We just got to stay plugged in. So I told you there were two whistleblowers. One was Shapley. He's been on Capitol Hill already. The other was just called Whistleblower X until yesterday. And his name is Joseph Ziegler. Joseph Ziegler. i tell you what I'm going to do. Just to kind of give you the lay of the land, both of these men, they gave a uh, opening statement uh, when this committee hearing started. And Shapley, we've heard from before. We've had him, you've heard him here on TNN Live several times over the last 10 days or so. But Ziegler, not so much. I, during the break, I decided to let you hear, instead of me tell you who Joseph Ziegler is and what this was all about, from his own mouth. Here's formerly Whistleblower X, but his name is Joseph Ziegler. And he talks about himself. And it's really important, and on the end of this, I'll come back and tell you why it was so important for you to hear Joseph Ziegler. Today, I, I, I sit here before you, not as a hero or, or a victim, but as a whistleblower compelled to disclose the truth. That said, in coming forward, I believe I'm risking my career, my reputation, and my casework outside of the investigation we are here to discuss. I ultimately made the decision to come forward after what I believe were multiple attempts at blowing the whistle in the Internal Revenue Service, at the Internal Revenue Service. No one should be above the law, regardless of your political affiliation. 
I humbly view my role here today as providing the facts as I best understood them and to let Congress and the administration and the public consider those facts and determine the best path forward. I recognize why I was present at the start of this investigation and was closely involved with the investigation for roughly five years. I'm just a part of the story. Others, including my colleague and supervisor Gary Shapley, who is here with me today, have their own views and understandings of what took place during this investigation. I've been an agent with the IRS since 2010. In 2007, I received my undergraduate degree from Ohio University, my MBA from John Carroll University. Prior to starting my career at the IRS, I worked at Ernst & Young, Ernst & Young as an external auditor. Throughout my career with the IRS, I have worked a variety of successful criminal tax and money, money laundering investigations. In 2018, I transitioned to being, to being a part of the International Tax and Financial Crimes Group out of the Washington, D.C. field office. I was the lead IRS case agent on the Hunter Biden investigation. I've recently discovered that people are saying that I must be more credible because I'm a Democrat who happens to be married to a man. I'm no more credible than this man sitting next to me due to my, due to my sexual orientation or my political beliefs. The truth is, my credibility comes today from my job experience with the IRS and my intimate knowledge of the agency's standard and procedures. I was raised and have always strived to do what is right. Although I do have my supporters, others have said that I am a traitor to the Democratic Party and that I am causing more division in our society. I implore you to consider that if you were in my position with the facts as I have stated them, ask yourself if you would be doing the exact same thing. I hope that I am an example to other LGBTQ people out there who are questioning doing the right thing at the potential cost of themselves and others. We should always do the right thing, no matter how painful the process might be. I kind of equate this to the experience and feelings I encountered when coming out. It was honestly one of the hardest things I ever had to go through. I contemplated scenarios that would have been highly regrettable, but I did what is right, and I'm, standing in, or I'm sitting here in front of you today. I would first like to take a minute to thank some people for their unfettered help and support. First off, God, for giving me the strength and courage to get through this process. My husband, who has been my rock, has put up with me, my stress, and has had to deal with, with his personal information being out there. My attorney, Dean Zerby, who has agreed to represent me through this matter pro bono and someone who has provided me so much help and guidance. My colleagues from the Hunter Biden investigation. The work that was done on this case was, is tremendous, but seems to be overshadowed by what is happening here today. And I just want to say to the investigative team that I am thankful for having worked with you. I also want to thank my family and friends back home in Northeast Ohio and Georgia. I don't live in the D.C. area. I had to fly here and have had to pay out of pocket for all my travel-related expenses in being a whistleblower. On that note, I would like to make another statement that I have not accepted a single payment from anyone for being a whistleblower. First, well, so Mr. Chairman, while I have my written statement as well as my testimony before the Ways and Means Committee, I would like to touch on briefly seven specific matters. First, in a recent letter to Congress, Mr. Weiss stated that he had been granted ultimate authority over this matter, but then later stated in the same letter that his charging authority is geographically limited and that he would need a President Biden appointed U.S. attorney to partner with him in charging the case. Mr. Weiss stated that he, is, he was making all decisions necessary to preserve the integrity of the prosecution consistent with federal law, 
the principles of federal prosecution and departmental regulations. In the, internal, in the criminal tax manual, chapter 10, found on the DOJ website, tax division policy states that cases involving indiv individuals who fail to file tax returns or pay a tax, but who also commit acts of evasion or obstruction should be charged as felonies to avoid an equitable treatment. In early August of 2022, federal prosecutors from the Department of Justice Tax Division drafted a 99-page memorandum. In, in so, they were recommending for approval felony and misdemeanor charges for the 2017, 18, and 19 tax years. That did not happen here, and I am not sure why. And as, to the, special and, and as the special agent on this case, I thought the felony charges were well-supported. When considering the elements of felony tax case, under the criminal code, there are two key considerations, willfulness and tax due and owing. In the criminal context, willfulness is, a, is defined as voluntary, intentional violation of a known legal duty. The tax loss is the monetary loss to the government. In 2020, in early 2020, Hunter, Biden unfiled, or Hunter Biden's unfiled and delinquent tax returns were being prepared, which included his 2018 tax return. During the 2020 time period, by Hunter Biden's own account, he was sober, newly married, and writing his memoir. Hunter Biden's accountants requested that he sign a representation letter stating that all the deductions were for business purposes and were being reported appropriately. Statements Hunter Biden made in his book completely contradicted what he was deducting as business deductions on his 2018 return. While writing his memoir, Hunter stated, I holed up inside the chateau for the first six weeks and learned how to cook crack. Hunter Biden allegedly falsely claimed business deductions for, chat, for payments made to the Chateau Marmont, a hotel room for his supposed drug dealer, sex club memberships, falsely referenced on the wire as a golf membership, hotels he was blacklisted from, and a Columbia University tuition payment for his adult daughter. All of these items were used to support willfulness, the willfulness element for felony tax evasion, these false deductions claimed by Hunter Biden caused a false return to be prepared that underreported his total income by approximately $267,000 and a loss to the U.S. Treasury of $106,000. Second, with respect to the 2014 tax year, Hunter Biden did not report any of the money he earned from Burisma for the 2014 tax year, which would have, which would have been a tax loss to the government of $124,000. According to my previous testimony, Hunter Biden did not report this income to the IRS or pay tax on the source of income. There is nothing that I see in the public documents as to the Department of Justice's action against Hunter Biden that indicate that Hunter Biden will be required to pay tax on this Burisma income from 2014 or amend his 2014 tax return. I would like to note that the plea agreement, when released, may provide a, great, a greater understanding. Third, I would like to make clear that the charging document for the District of Delaware, Hunter Biden was charged with failure to timely pay his taxes for 2017 and 18 in excess of $100,000 for each tax year. On Hunter Biden's 2017 and 18 tax returns, Hunter reported taxes owed of, of approximately $581,000 and $620,000 respectfully. This tax amount in 2018 would not have included the alleged additional tax due and owing from the filed false return of $106,000. Thus, as I read the pub public documents 
as the Department of Justice action against Hunter Biden, there is nothing that indicates Hunter Biden will be required to amend his false tax return for 2018. A false tax return that includes proper deductions, improper deductions for prostitutes, sex clubs, and his, chi- and his adult children's tuition. Again, perhaps when the plea agreement is released, it may provide us with a greater understanding. Fourth, the decision to bring felony counts against Hunter Biden was agreed to by both prosecutors and investigators. In the fall of 2021, I met with prosecutors assigned to the case, and we all agreed and decided which charges we are going to recommend to in the prosecution report, which included felony counts related to 2014 and 18. In March of 2022, the prosecutors requested discovery from the investigative team and presented the case to the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office. In later meetings in early August of 2022, the assigned prosecutors, all four attorneys, agreed to recommend felony and misdemeanor charges for the 2017, 18, and 19 tax years, insofar as the Department of Justice Tax Division attorney sent an email about the process of bringing charges to include felony and misdemeanor tax charges in two separate districts, Delaware and Los Angeles. Less than a month later, Gary Shapley and I met with Mr. Weiss. He stated that he agreed with us regarding the 2014 and 2015 tax year misdemeanor and felony charges, but that this could somehow affect the later year misdemeanor and felony charges that he conveyed were stronger. Despite these facts, the plea deal that is being, dis- that is being discussed occurred. To this day, I do not have a reason why that occurred from my perspective This might not have been problematic had the investigation been handled in the ordinary course. Fifth, as I had previously testified and is contained in my written testimony, I have outlined for you some instances in which assigned prosecutors did not appear to follow the normal investigative process, slow walk the investigation, and put put in place unnecessary approvals and roadblocks from effectively and and efficiently investigating the case. A number of times we were not able to follow the facts. I am happy to respond to questions concerning these instances. Sixth, I will also note that while the impression has been conveyed by the U.S. Attorney in Delaware that he has similar powers to that of a special counsel in this case, free reign to do as needed, that was not the case. It appeared to me, based on what I experienced, that the U.S. Attorney in Delaware in our investigation was constantly hamstrung, limited, and marginalized by DOJ officials as well as other U.S. attorneys. I still think that a special counsel is necessary for this investigation um, to further handle ancillary investigations that are spun off and relate to Hunter Biden but may not have venue in Delaware. Lastly, I would like to conclude again by encouraging Congress and the administration to consider establishing an official channel for federal investigators to pull the emergency cord and raise the issue of the appointment or of the appointment of a special counsel for consideration by senior officials. I do not want my colleagues at the IRS, FBI, and other federal law enforcement agencies to go through my frustrating journey, to go through my frustrating journey and that of our team. I believe such a path will strengthen the public's confidence in their institutions and their fair and equal treatment of all Americans under the law. Thank you, and I look forward to the questions. Got to turn the mic on, Dan. 
So there you have it from the horse's mouth. Until yesterday, he was known only as Whistleblower X, Joseph Joseph Ziegler is the other agent that came forward. Gary Shapley was sitting beside Ziegler. And I think it's important to point out a few things. The way the whistleblower program works in the federal government, it's across the federal government. It's not just in the DOJ or the FBI or any individual department. The whistleblower program was created so that people like these two would be comfortable when they find graft or corruption or illegal actions happening among the membership in the various departments in which they serve, they can safely come forward and file with their inspector general over their particular agency. In this case, it was the IRS. And you're protected. It's against the law for anybody to take any retribution against you for the information you bring forward. Well, how do you know these whistleblowers are going to tell the truth? Well, there's a little caveat that uh, most of them abide by, and that is if they lie under oath in a whistleblower program like this, like you just heard these two guys, Shapley and Ziegler, if they lie about it, their lying is a felony on their part, and they will be prosecuted and probably end up in jail themselves. So these two men specifically really took this seriously. I couldn't do it. I honestly couldn't do it. I don't think. I could do the whistleblower thing and come forward and do private interviews with members of the various appropriate committees. But I don't think I could put the lives of my family members on the line which these two guys have done. Although it's illegal for retribution to be meted out against these two, they are already experiencing the wrath of Democrats. And as you just heard Mr. Ziegler say, his life is probably, almost certainly, never going to be the same again because he's a marked man. Now, who would be marking those two whistleblowers. I'm going to get into that in just a minute. But I wanted to point something out. There was another segment, another questioner, a Republican. And she's very controversial. She goes by MTG. That's what everybody calls her. She's Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's a Republican from Georgia. She put up some pictures, some very graphic images during this congressional hearing yesterday. And here's how this goes. This is important for you to hear because you're not going to hear it on any other big major network except maybe, maybe Fox News. Hunter agreed in June to plead guilty to two federal tax violation charges and one violation of gun laws. Now, with all the evidence that's out there that we're already seeing now, this is egregious. This is trampling all over the rule of law. He got away with nothing, no felony. He lied on a gun application where you've got to, if you want to buy a gun from a gun store, you've got to fill out this questionnaire and they send it to the Bureau of Tobacco, Alcohol, and Firearms, BATF, and they do a background investigation on you before you can buy the gun. And then if you're approved, 
They send that back to the gun seller, and you can buy the gun. He lied on his application, which is a felony. And so, in spite of all that, he pled guilty. He got a sweetheart deal, despite evidence presented by Marjorie Taylor Greene that Hunter Biden allegedly violated what's known as the Mann Act, Mann, M-A-N-N. That law criminalizes the transportation of, quote, any woman or girl for the purpose of prostitution or debauchery or for any other immoral purpose. Now, how does this play into this whole Hunter Biden, Joe Biden thing? Green said this, during your testimony with the House Ways and Means Committee, you stated that through bank records, you identified Hunter Biden was paying prostitutes related to a potential prostitution ring. Is that correct? Now, Green is asking that of IRS agent Joseph Ziegler, who you just heard. Yes, that's correct, he said. Ziegler identified himself as a 13-year award-winning veteran of the agency. And his allegation, among others, is that President Biden's Justice Department politically interfered in the criminal probe of Hunter Biden. So what was this all about? What was Marjorie Taylor Greene doing? She was holding up pictures, and they got into some email back-and-forth stuff that confirmed Hunter Biden paid for prostitutes to come into town for sex and paid them for sex. And to make matters worse, it came out that he took the expenses of flying the prostitutes up there and violating the Mann Act by doing so but he took all that expense off as business expenses. Prostitution. And everybody that was part of that plea deal, they knew he had done that, and yet they still move forward with it. What does that tell you? Somebody has got a total disdain for the rule of law. Somebody that is part of a family that has been entrenched in the American political system for 50-plus years. And he, Hunter Biden, thumbed his nose at the rule of law. Now, Democrats in these hearings, oh, my God, I wish you could have seen them. Let me tell you how vile it was. Without exception, every time it was their turn, to ask of these two whistleblowers questions, to try to get to the facts. What they did was diminish in every way they can any and everything that these two men were testifying to in total disregard of the facts, much of which these members, these Democrat members of of this committee, they already had proof that the guys are telling the truth right in front of them, and they've had the proof. But that doesn't matter. They, I almost will guarantee you, they, these Democrats, they know and knew before this committee hearing, their guy, the top of their party, the president, Joe Biden, is toast. He will not win 
in 2024, if he even ends up being on the Democrat ticket to be the representative of the Democrat Party in the 2024 presidential race. So what did they do? They began from beginning to end to diminish anybody and everybody that would even think any of this testimony coming from these two whistleblowers were truthful, and they blamed Donald Trump for everything. One such Democrat said this, and I could bring you audio soundbite after audio soundbite from the committee hearing. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to respect your time. One of these guys said, Representative Mufumi, quote, I believe that they believe themselves. He's talking about the whistleblowers. Whether they're right or wrong really is in their mind and the determination of other people. I happen to believe, he said, that they're wasting time on this. Daniel Goldman, Representative Goldman from New York, he's a Democrat. They are good faith actors who misconstrue the third-hand information that they receive. What you, what you heard Mafumi say, what you just heard Goldman say, those are sound bites for the media. There is no way either one of those two could, after being in that committee hearing, could say what they just heard, what you just heard them say. I think they were frustrated that the case didn't move forward as they had hoped after all their hours. That's Goldman speaking. They were frustrated that they were removed from the case after there were significant leaks to the Washington Post, and they're expressing their frustration in this way. Hunter Biden's legal team alleged the whistleblowers leaked investigation information to the Washington Post, but the whistleblowers' lawyers have pushed back against that claim. Ziegler, the one you just heard from, a 13-year special agent for the IRS, and Greg Shapley, Shapley, the other guy, former IRS investigation supervisor, and they both claimed the DOJ did not handle the investigation in a hunter in an ordinary way. The whistleblowers claimed there was a pattern of slow-walking investigative steps into the president's son before the 2020 presidential election and efforts to tip off Hunter before investigative actions. In one case, Shapley recalled that an assistant U.S. attorney told Hunter Biden's lawyers the IRS was readying to execute a search warrant on a storage unit used by the president's son. The tip destroyed our chance to get the evidence before being destroyed, manipulated, or concealed, Shapley said. And almost to a person, Republicans on the committee, they believe the whistleblowers. I'm not, I am not a stupid person. I listened to both of these young men. I heard probably all total two, two and a half hours of testimony yesterday. They're very credible. Their testimony was corroborated by the FBI. And the FBI was before this committee a week ago. Ziegler is a Democrat. He does not fit the mold of a partisan hack, that's for sure. Representative Jason Smith, the Missouri Republican, he agreed with that. They're absolutely credible. Their facts are lining up. No one has countered anything that they have said. 
and lawmakers noted the personal risk these two men have taken by coming forward. They're showing tremendous courage to come forward. That's Gary Palmer. And it shows something that I think has been sorely lacking in the Biden administration, and that is fidelity to uphold the laws of the United States. Fry agreed. They're putting their own careers and their families at risk by being here. Now, one of the whistleblowers, I forget which one was asked, about did anybody hold back any evidence while they were investigating Hunter Biden and the whole ordeal, top to bottom? Did anybody in power above them not let them have access to any evidence? And there was one bombshell that came out. I heard this live as the question was answered. I believe it was Ziegler that said there were quite a few pieces of evidence that they did not show us. Could you give us an example of one? They would not let them have any access to Hunter's laptop. They never got to see it, never got to see any of the contents during their investigation. That was, it was almost like a bomb went off in that hearing room when that was said by one of the whistleblowers and confirmed by the other one. And the determination to not let them see it came from a special federal prosecutor that was assigned to the case. Now, why? There's only one reason why that would happen. Do you remember what was going on at the time of this? This was right before the 2020 presidential election. Now, just think. Now, the stuff that we know was on the Hunter Biden laptop, if that had come to the American voters' eyes and ears before the 2020 election, do you think it may have changed the results? We're going to go to our second break, but going to our second break, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something going out in just a second. But let me tell you what's ahead. What's ahead is you are going to hear the reasoning, the reasoning for this whole thing happening. And this whole thing, what I'm referencing, is this theft, this illegality, this felonious actions of Hunter Biden. How was it orchestrated? Who's ultimately responsible for the whole thing? And how much money is involved? We got a number yesterday in the hearing. All of these things are unbelievable. And let me go to break by saying this on the way out. This is going to go down. If not being the worst corruption story in American history in the top two, we're told, of course, he's told us himself over and over and over again, Joe Biden, I've been doing this my whole life. I understand the law. I understand politics. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. I would never be part of anything like this. But guess what? Not only was he part of this, he still is. There's so much more. I mean, this was about four hours yesterday, and there's no way to boil it down 
into 30 minutes or an hour on a podcast. But we're going to try. Still got some more meat to come. Sit tight. Speaking the truth, the left doesn't want you to hear. TNN, the Truth News Network. I know I should quit smoking, but it's just... (sighs) My feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded. (coughs) I cough all the time. Seriously? (sighs) I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1-866-QUIT-YES. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. QuitYes.org. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. What was the driving force of this whole thing? What is the driving force for pretty much every bit of wrongdoing that anybody does, especially in politics? Money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. That's from the Bible. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, there's a name, somebody else that we know is involved that hasn't even been mentioned yet. There's another player in this whole thing, and I'm not talking about the Biden grandchildren because the grandchildren were all, well, maybe all but one, recipients of this money that was coming from overseas. The grandkids were. All but one. That would be Hunter's love child, the four-year-old girl down in Arkansas that Joe Biden will not even acknowledge is his granddaughter. I can't imagine any grandpa doing that. I've got six grandchildren. I would never disavow any one of my six grandchildren. I don't care how they came into the world. They're in the world, and nobody gave them a vote to do it. They were born. She was born. It is vile for me and unexplainable and certainly unforgivable that anybody would disown this precious little four-year-old girl. And she's a doll. And Hunter made her mother go to court to get a decree that forced Hunter Biden to make himself available for a test to verify this little girl was his biological child. Where I live, here in the South, we just don't do that. There are a lot of pregnancies that are unwanted. They are mistakes. I get that. I understand that. There are a whole lot of dilemmas that come with that. But you can't diminish the innocent that's part of that. You can, and the Bidens have showed us, here's how you do it. Here's how you show the world you're inhumane. And it has to do with that little baby girl. I'm sorry I didn't want to 
harp on that, but it's a big deal to me. It's a big part of this. This proves to me how Joe Biden could justify all this other stuff because he's after something. And I want to point something that came out yesterday to you. This was all going on while Joe was still vice president. And I've got the dollar number. I'm not going to give it to you right now. I want you to hear what a bunch of people think, professionals think. This whole process, this was and is the actions of a real criminal syndicate. It was orchestrated. It was all planned and put together all the way through it. Listen to this. At one point, uh, Jamie Comer told me that he was going to go in private bank accounts, not so, just yeah. not, not just the Treasury suspicious uh, account reports, mm. but actually go directly. The Bank of America was mentioned in this connection. Right. That's the kind of thing that would be a tremendous wake-up call. I'm just waiting to I see what so they come up with. I am so glad that you hit that. I want to follow up on that um, to your fo- first point that you made because the president came on stage and he answered a reporter's question. He was laughing and, and being sarcastic yeah. and mocking people and saying, you know, find the money yeah. because... He knows that the trail is so complicated and difficult to find um, that you probably need a team of forensic accountants to be able to do it. But having said that, this is a really important issue. They need to go after it. Yeah, it's really it's huge. I mean, you have Biden family members you never heard of. The only one they have that didn't have an LLC was the Ozark uh, uh, grandbaby which Biden won't acknowledge yet. I just thought I'd throw it. But we don't know yet. The clock is still ticking. She may come up with her own LLC. That's a joke, partially. (laughs) But the point I'm going to make, you're right. I'd like to see him go directly into these private commercial banks and pull stuff out. Now, whether you can do that or not legally, I don't know. There'll probably be a fistfight about that. Subpoena power, contempt of Congress, who knows what. But my point is... Wait, twofold. Number one, Hunter, in my view, my opinion, editorially, Hunter Biden has been used by his father for many years to finance the family fortune, Mm. okay? Um, Claudia Tenney has made this point time and time again, and I think she's exactly right. Hunter Biden uh, is not the end game. The end game here is Joe Biden. Good point. And I don't think this matter gets settled until they get hold of these uh, so-called audio tapes, uh, the Burisma oligarch so-called. You know the guy's not in Ukraine. The guy's probably in some place, the gambling casino in Montenegro, Mm -hmm. where they uh, shot uh, the James Bond movie. That's probably where he is. Send, <laughs> Very the, likely. send the FBI there. Nice it looks like a really Larry nice wants place. it on location. He's going to cover it on location. I don't know if you I'll, saw I'll the movie, but it, no, it looked really there. nice. Very yeah. swanky, Montenegro. Yeah, Nobody in their right mind is in Ukraine <laughs> right now. I wanted you to hear that back and forth to put something out there to try to explain what really was going on. And it's this. Joe is not the innocent bystander as everybody wants us to think in this whole thing. It was like, oh, he's the big guy. He's, you know, he's just going to be, he's the guy in the background. He's not getting his hands dirty in any of this. Joe used his son, Hunter Biden. He used Hunter Biden. And I said this on the show about two or three weeks ago, and I'm going to double down on what I said then. I really believe it now. At some point in the very near future, and it's got to happen, 
in the next couple of months because we're going into the heart of the 2024 presidential election cycle. Joe wants to repeat in the White House, and he thinks he's qualified to do it. I don't think he is, and in fact, most people in the nation don't think he is, but be that as it is, Joe used Hunter Biden, and he's going, Joe is going to throw Hunter under the bus to try to get his hands clean as he runs to get in this election for 2024. Now, how could he do that? Well, the noose is tightening around Hunter. We're hearing it now as all this factual evidence is coming out that Hunter really is in a bad place with the law. And I guarantee you, I would be shocked now with all the information that is before the public that the judge, whoever the judge is, that's going to hear this plea deal next week and confirm or not accept it. And it's totally up to the judge. If this is not a judge that's in the tank for the uh, for the Biden family and the Biden family syndicate and this judge does the right thing, he's not going to accept that plea deal because Hunter is guilty of some very egregious crimes. There's some more stuff that came out yesterday. During part of that uh, interview that was released yesterday, IRS Special Agent Joseph Ziegler, one of the whistleblowers, stated that he can't comfortably say if President Biden got any financial benefit from his son's dealings because Anytime we potentially wanted to go down the road of asking questions related to the president, we can't ask those questions because it would require too many approvals to do so. Prime example, they wanted to go to a private locker, a storage unit that evidence showed Hunter Biden had. When they were in the process of getting the warrant, Somehow, information about the pending search of that storage unit got to Hunter. And when they got to the storage unit, it was empty. It was empty. This just gets deeper and deeper. And we find out that the people that were at the level above these two whistleblowers were all in on the cover-up. And we're just getting, we are just getting to the heart of this. So let's move forward very quickly. We're in our second hour. And I want to make sure we've got some other important things that we need to bring to you. So we're wrapping this Hunter-Joe Biden thing up here in the next few minutes. Hunter failed to pay. A little bit of his taxes, $125,000, $125,000 that has been documented, but there's much more. So put that in the context of what Joe Biden's been preaching to us all. He wanted those 80,000 new IRS agents. What did he want them for? To go catch the wealthy tax cheats. $125,000. $125,000. Hunter didn't pay. And you know where that income came from? Burisma Holdings. Ooh, Burisma. All while President Biden supercharged the IRS 
to catch tax cheats upon assuming office. In 2021, Biden almost immediately tried to bring in hiring 87,000 new agents, and he told everybody he was going after those billionaire tax cheats. We have to rehire some IRS agents, not to try to make people pay something they don't owe, just to say, hey, step up, step up and pay like everybody else does. That's Biden back in 2021 at the White House. Look, I really mean this, he said. If you look at my whole career, I come from the corporate state of America. I just think it's about just paying your fair share for Lord's sake, he added. According to the whistleblowers yesterday, Hunter refused to pay 125 grand in taxes that he got from Burisma Holdings. The agents also confirm Hunter could still pay that amount of money to the IRS. Isn't it ironic? He could do that right in the middle of his daddy pushing to catch the wealthy tax cheats. <laughs> in addition, the IRS agent whistleblowers confirmed to Representative Michael Turner Republican from Ohio, the statute of limitations to compel the tax payment was allowed to run out. By who? By the Department of Justice. Remember all the stalling that went on? It was to let the statute of limitations run out so Hunter couldn't be prosecuted for cheating on this part of his tax bill. And since the statutes of limitation were allowed to run out in order for him to pay this, He'd have to pay it voluntarily. The government doesn't have a way to compel him to pay it because they're allowed, they allowed, the government allowed the statute of limitations to run out. So it's just not he got out of criminal charges. He got out of having to pay the tax, right? That's correct. That's Agent Gary Shapley replying. And civil and criminal statute limitations have expired for that tax year. So, he has in his pocket 125 grand of money that should have gone to the federal government in taxes. When in the state of Ohio, you got an average family earning of about 62,000 a household, that's like two full households of tax income that he got to keep in his pocket. The thing I wonder is that he could pay that today, right? Voluntarily, Representative Turner asked. Shapley said, Yes, he could. So, another conundrum for the president. His son is an avowed tax cheater, and he's one of those that you campaigned against. You wanted 87,000 new IRS agents to go after these wealthy tax cheats. I would think by any American's example, Hunter would fall into the category of being wealthy. After all, his Burisma Holdings deal for those two years he was on the board there, he got a paltry $83,333 a month, a million dollars a year, and he didn't pay taxes on it. Hmm. Just imagine if that was you or me. Now, let's get right to the let's get right to the throat. We're gonna we're gonna end this segment. And I know this is more than a segment. But this is important. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you, this is going to go down as the worst criminal activity of anybody in government in American history. And we've only just scratched the surface. So how much money, how much money have we been able to verify went to the Biden family syndicate? I mean, we know for a fact it went there. 
Well, something new came out yesterday about Burisma Holding and the Biden family syndicate. The Biden family syndicate itself got $7 million of Burisma Holdings money. Now that's the money that has been traceable going through the uh, corporate shells that they set up and they laughed about setting it up. That's the way Burisma Holdings has handled its corruption with money for years. They laughed about it. We set up a bunch of shell companies and we pay it to this one who then transfers it to this one and they'll never find it traced back to the Bidens. But they did. Just Burisma, $7.1 million. How much overall? If you throw in Burisma, you throw in uh, the money they got from China and even other people in Ukraine and other foreign countries. $17 million. $17 million. And they're just getting started. There's much more. And by the way, Representative Comer told us that they got in a fresh new batch of those reports that were sent to the Treasury Department when they get unexplainable large wire transfer into Americans' accounts from overseas, especially overseas governments. They have to report those individually as they come in to the U.S. Treasury. Representative Comer said they just got a new batch of those. They're going to be bringing the facts out to the American public in the upcoming days and weeks. It's going to be more than $17 million. Oh, my gosh. Now, we're through. I'm done with that. But we're going to have to segue out of this. We can't leave it right there because Donald Trump Jr., Donald Trump Jr., he came out, he hadn't been doing this very much since his dad left office, but he came out and he talked a little bit about the environment of Washington, D.C., the financial environment. On Saturday, he said there was an incredibly steep learning curve in knowing who to surround yourself with in D.C., but offered a promising word to those who are worried about a second Trump term. After four years of experience, you know who the snakes are and you know not to put them on your payroll. Trump Jr. was asked what he would say to voters who have concerns over personnel who former President Trump surrounded himself with during the first term. And he explained that the learning curve has been steep. I think the learning curve has been incredibly steep, right? You come in as an outsider, he began during an interview at the Turning Point Action Conference down in West Palm Beach. There's ups that there's a lot of advantage, right? You're not locked into the dogma. And we saw that as in getting these deals done in the Middle East and getting a lot done in North Korea and with China, he explained. Like, you moved a lot of needles. Now, when that comes to personnel... You may not know, he said, explaining that the currency in D.C. is those favors. So you put someone in the position, and eventually they'll put you in a position, 
and everyone moves themselves ahead that way. It takes a while to figure that out, he said, contending that Trump now has four years of experience of this behind him and fully understands the extent of that problem. Now that you have the four years of experience, you know who the snakes are. You know not to put them on the payroll. You've seen what they've tried to do to my father. I think they're trying to put him away for 450 years. They tried to put me in jail for treason, a crime punishable by death. Now you got a guy that actually knows and wants to do something about and fully understands just how bad that problem is. And that's what D.C. fears more than anything, as evidenced by the visceral reaction you see, frankly, from both sides, meaning the uniparty, the Democrats in their Justice Department, as well as sort of the rhino Republicans and the weaklings, he added. So Dodd Jewett, what he did, he just talked about what people are talking about and what people are thinking and asking questions about. Donald Trump wasn't a stupid man. He was very successful in business. That involved dealing with a lot of different people and finding management in a big business, a small business either, either one, big, little, it doesn't matter. The nuts and bolts of management is where you win or lose in business. And you got to have the right people. I'll never forget this. When I got out of college, I was in radio, but I, I left radio and I went into the car business because I wasn't making enough money to support our family. We were just having a, our first daughter, Kimby. And so I got in the car business working for a guy named Mickey McHale in Ruston, Louisiana. He was from Albany, New York, and he came south as a hot dog car salesman, a really good one. He went to a small town into a dealership there, and he just blew everybody's mind away in Ford Motor Company because he could sell ice to an Eskimo. He was one of those kind of people. So they propped him up and gave him a dealership, named it after himself, McHale Ford. But I learned what real management is about. And this is what is totally missing in Washington, D.C. When you're in business, and especially if it's a big business with a lot of moving parts, you cannot, as one person, you can't manage everything going on in that business. You've got to have people around you. How do you choose the people that are around you? Mickey McHale taught me this. A person's not stupid if they don't know everything about the business that they may own or are managing. They're stupid if when they don't know the important things about the X's and O's in that business, if they don't go get other people to come in and become part of their team that are experts in these other areas. If you don't do that, you're stupid. Donald Trump knows management, but here is where he got stuck in his first term. He trusted the wrong people. Now, somebody will say, well, he's supposed to be the expert at recognizing who the good managers are. He should have picked up on that. He had to bring thousands of management people into his operation as president, his administration. It would be impossible for him to do it personally, 
to go get those people. So he trusted other people that were, he was told were the good guys. He trusted them and their recommendations. And there were some bad seeds in there. And that all came back to haunt him. That's why I have no qualms about President Trump coming back and serving a second term. I don't because he's a learner. He's been doing this for 50 years. He understands it. And as far as the government is right now, he really does know it because he was the one that got smoked by these people that he were told were good people and he trusted others and he shouldn't have, but he didn't have any options and he got stuck with some bad folks. That's the way it rolls. It's a little different in politics, but it's not so different. And I think, I think we still have a good, strong probability of there being a Trump second term as president. And if that happens, his administration at the top, at least, is going to be strong, very, very strong. Now, there are some other issues that are weighing in on this 2024 election. Mark Levin, I like Mark a lot. He is not, in my opinion, the greatest orator. Now, when I say that, I'm not diminishing the content of the things he says, but his delivery, he's not a TV guy, but he's got a TV show that's very successful, has his own network, but he had some really important things to say about what's going on and the ramp up to the 2024 election. And he accused yesterday Attorney General Merrick Garland, Special Counsel Jack Smith, and a bunch of state and local prosecutors, he's accused them of interfering in the 2024 election. Now, think that through with me for a few moments. He tweeted, Mark tweeted, right after the news broke that President Trump was a target of Smith's grand jury investigation. Levin accused prosecutors of trying to, once again, smear Trump to disqualify him from having the chance for a second term as president. Here's what Levin wrote. This is a tweet, and I'm going to quote it for you. The seriousness of what is being done to Donald Trump by local and federal Democrat prosecutors cannot be overstated. It's alarming. It's shocking. And this republic is teetering. Trump will have to defend himself against bogus criminal charges in Manhattan bogus civil charges in Albany, bogus criminal charges in the documents case, bogus criminal charges in the January 6th matter, and most likely the shoe will soon drop in Atlanta. All the while he is running for re-election as president. It is extremely difficult to fight all these prosecutors and fight for your freedom and run for president at the same time. And these prosecutors know it. They are also involved in something that has only two prior times in our history. That is a concerted effort to knowingly and actively interfere in a presidential election. The two prior times were also against Trump. The Durham report provides overwhelming details of this effort in the 2016 campaign. This is Mark Levin, and he continued, and let's be clear. The DOJ and FBI have demonstrated in the recent past that they will use illegal means to try to take out Trump. The Hillary Clinton Democrat Party FBI DOJ orchestrated Russia collusion scam that lasted years 
and they're doing the same thing now, but on an unimaginable scale. There have been no substantive reforms at the FBI. Chris Ray's testimony last week made that abundantly clear, given all the abuses and corruption that have occurred while he's been FBI director. Merrick Garland, Attorney General, and his extremely radical top-level staff are unquestionably involved in all these decisions. As for Jack Smith, chosen by Garland to go after Trump, he's no special counsel. He destroyed a former Virginia governor, even though the conviction was unanimously overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court. He destroyed what was left of John Edwards' career with a series of felony charges that were rejected by the trial jury. As head of the Criminal Division's Public Integrity Section, he authorized the unconstitutional IRS attack on the Tea Party, which was intended to cripple that movement. Later, DOJ paid several millions of taxpayer dollars to settle complaints against it. And there's more. Obviously, Garland found all of this to be a resume enhancement when he chose Smith to target Trump. Yet, because Smith triggers these criminal investigations, he creates his own immunity from congressional oversight, where the rogue prosecutor asserts that he can ignore any questions from Congress because he's in the middle of prosecutions of his own making. This, despite that fact that his actions have thrown the election and the nation into turmoil. I bet you didn't know this about special prosecutor Smith. He told the public last month, Smith did, we have one set of laws in this country as he announced the indictment of former President Trump in the so-called documents case. He didn't explain why the DOJ had not prosecuted Trump's opponents, uh, Hillary Clinton and President Joe Biden, for their violations of the same laws on the handling of government documents, classified documents, and classified materials. I wonder what's going on in that, uh, that other special counsel investigating the 1,800 boxes of classified documents that were held illegally for many years by Joe Biden. Oh, and by the way, under the presidential classified documents, legality and illegality, if you're not a president, you have no legal right to have, even have, classified documents. You can't have any classified documents. Joe Biden, before he went into office this time, he was never a president. So those 1,800 boxes of classified documents in his possession all these years, <laughs> illegally, illegally. And there's more. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni, you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices. At participating locations plus. A friend of mine said he wanted to talk to me about my Volvo. 
I told him, thank you, that's between me and my gynecologist. He said, no, no, your car, your Volvo 850 Turbo Sports Wagon. I said, oh, that. No, you can't drive it. Oh, I love my Volvo. Sure, it's safe, but gee, just because driving on the freeways of Southern California is the equivalent of playing bumper cars at the speed of light, what kind of reason is that? Volvos are still ultra-luxury imports, sleek and gorgeous and loaded to hear, safe and sexy, and pardon me, I have to go hug my car now. What's safe and sexy? Viva la Volvo. Test drive a Volvo 850 at your Southern California Volvo dealer. Since when is safe sexy, another friend asked. Hey, I said, what decade are you living in? Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion smoky barbecue. Cheddar sour cream salt and vinegar too. You sample them all cause the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. No identity politics. No political elitism. Read and hear the truth. Always sourced from facts. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. With so many things going on, investigations or whatever, the politics of all this has kind of been set to the side. But there's one thing we all need to understand. Politics in the United States, even if it's not being talked about at the time, it is still a big issue. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, yesterday he came to Trump's defense over reports that the DOJ is weighing potential charges against Trump for his alleged conduct during the January 6th riot on Capitol Hill. So he was speaking to reporters yesterday, and McCarthy said he doesn't see any reason Trump could be found criminally responsible for January 6th. He said, I don't see how he could be found criminally responsible. What criminal activity did he do? He told people to be peaceful. This past Sunday, the former president revealed on Truth Social that he would have to appear before a grand jury this week and that he would likely be indicted by deranged special counsel Jack Smith. Nothing like this has ever happened in our country before or even close. This witch hunt is all about election interference and a complete and total political weaponization of law enforcement. It's very sad and a dark period for our nation, Trump said. McCarthy, he said that he and the former president spoke Tuesday. Trump was frustrated with being targeted again by the Department of Justice. He also denied ever conducting a strategy session with Republicans on how to respond to Trump's indictments. I think the strategy sessions happen in the Democrats' Department of Justice, where they go after anybody who's running against their president, McCarthy said. 
It seems as though, and if you go up in the polls, you're more likely to get indicted. McCarthy's counterpart in the Senate, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, uh, he wouldn't even comment on the matter. (laughs) He said, I've said every week out here that I'm not going to comment on the various candidates for the presidency. How I felt about that, I expressed at the time. But I'm not going to start getting into sort of critiquing the various candidates for president. President Trump just increased his lead in the polls. So what does the Biden administration do next? They weaponize government to go after President Biden's number one opponent. This is not equal justice. It's wrong. And the American public is tired of it. I believe that was McCarthy, by the way. Speaker McCarthy that said that. I think the American people are tired of it. Let me just say this. I know the American people are tired of it. I are an American, and I are an American that's tired of this crap. We need to get along with business as usual, and we just need to make it very plain. Nobody gets away with breaking the law, with using government for personal gain, cheating personal enrichment, and if you get busted, you pay the time, whatever it is. That needs to be the beginning and the end of all of this stuff, but the petty partisanship in a justice department? How in the heck and why would you even have a government if it's going to be used by those that are in power? Now let's talk about some other egregious government activity. Josh Hawley, Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri. He put out yesterday, very quietly, a bipartisan plan that if it's enacted, it's going to ban members of Congress, senior officials across the executive branch, and their family members from holding and trading any kind of stock or financial instrument. Hawley and Gillibrand announced this week plans to file the Banned Stock Trading for Government Officials Act, which would, among other things, stop members of Congress, also the president, the vice president, senior executive branch members, and their spouses and dependents from holding or trading stocks or other financial instruments. Likewise, the plan makes no exception for blind trust while imposing heavy penalties for members of Congress who don't comply with the requirements. Those who are found to violate requirements would have to pay at least 10% of the value of the prohibited investments. Politicians and civil servants shouldn't spend their time day trading and trying to make a profit at the expense of the American public. But that's exactly what so many are doing, Hawley said. My bill with Senator Gillibrand is common sense. Ban elected and executive branch officials from trading or holding stocks, and put the American public first. So in addition to these members of Congress, the plan would require senior executive officials to disgorge profits from covered financial interests to the Treasury Department. Also members of Congress, senior congressional staff, even the president and the vice president, and senior executive officials would be required to report anytime they, a spouse, or a dependent applies for or receives a benefit of value in any way from the federal government. That includes loans, agreements, contracts, grants, and any payments. 
Last month, here's an example. Jennifer Gramholm, the energy secretary, former Michigan governor, last month, Granholm told the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee in a letter that she and her husband had held individual stocks and companies that her department oversees as recently as May of this year. Now, this admission by Granholm, that was a month after she falsely testified before the committee she didn't hold individual stocks, saying this, quote, no, I'm invested in mutual funds. When Hawley asked, do you own individual stocks, Madam Secretary? She lied. Back in 21, Granholm reportedly violated the Stock Act when she failed to properly report nine stock trades, including her selling shares of Uber, Redfin, and Gilead Sciences, which enjoy lucrative government contracts. You know why? It's been no big deal. They've been doing it for years. The go-to person when you talk about this is former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She's been in Congress since Noah got off the ark, I think. And she went in as just the wife of a burgeoning real estate developer from California when she went to Congress. They were okay, but they are worth several hundred million dollars today. How is that possible? Insider trading. Nancy Pelosi in a position of power most of her time in Congress She got information way before anybody out in the general public did, and they acted on insider information again and again and again. The House passed a deal uh, internally, a rule against insider trading. It was so obvious, it was pointed at Nancy Pelosi, that when they passed this and implemented it, they named it the Pelosi rule. And still she still does the same thing because there's no accountability. And if I've heard this once, I've heard it a million times. Quote, everybody does that. And so that's supposed to make it okay. My mother, she always had a famous comeback when, uh, I'll never forget it. We lived where we lived in Lafayette, Louisiana. The school that I went to was probably 10 blocks away, but there was a little ditch. We called them coolies in South Louisiana. C-O-U-L-E-E, a coolie. was a little bit bigger than a ditch, but it wasn't quite a stream or anything that big. And there was one spot that we had found a way. We had to go through that or across that coolie to get to the school. And after school, during baseball season, that's where we practiced. So we all had to go to practice on our bikes And I was, people that know me won't believe this when I say it, but I was real small at the time. And my parents got me a bicycle. I could barely ride it when they got it for me. Um, My feet just barely scraped the ground. And so mom was worried if I went across that coulee, that bike would win and I'd go down in the coulee. So I wanted to give it a try over and over and over and over again. I told mom, let me, let me do it, mom, let me do it. It was embarrassing to me. She would actually put me in the car and drive me 
to the school for practice and would sit there in the car waiting for me to get done. I was so embarrassed. All my friends laughed at me. And I'll never forget it. I just got mad at her one time. I said, Mama, you've got to let me try this on my own. You've got to let me do it. Their mamas let them do it. (laughs) And Gran, that's what my uh, children call my mother, Gran. She was mom to me. I said, Mom, they do it. Their moms and dads let them do it. And her comeback was, well, if their mom and dad let them jump off a bridge into the river, does that mean it's okay for you to do the same thing? I got her meeting, but it, it, I mean, that kind of just didn't fit the conversation, I thought. Nevertheless, mamas always get the last word. You know who's flying under the radar screen now in our government more than anybody else? Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary. Biden's DHS, that's Mayorkas, totally ignores a question asked to him about the record number of illegal migrants being let into the U.S. How this guy has lasted this long is beyond me. He must have dirty pictures about Joe Biden or something, blackmail material. He should have never lasted in his role in Homeland Security. He ignored one reporter's question Tuesday about the record number of migrants that are crossing the southern border now through these ports of entry, the process that he invented to give them a a green light to get here without having to hide and go through in between these uh, ports of entry. Border Patrol recorded 99,495 illegals at the southern border in June alone, while migrant encounters at ports of entry reached a new high of 45,026 after hitting 35,000 in May. And this is all the product of another Alejandro Mayorkas gag. Put it together to circumvent the law. He created an app, CBP-1, a phone app. And what this is used for, how all of these migrants down in Central America, Mexico, even South America, they've all got this app on their phone. What do you do with it? Well, you go online and you set up an appointment, an immigration appointment for you to go through the official ports of entry and they're waiting for you there because you have an appointment to appear before an immigration official to get your court date set for you to go in front of an immigration judge. Now that all sounds benign, doesn't it? But it's another scam by Mayorkas. Why? Here's what they do. On the dates for these court hearings that these people that use the C. BP-1 app to set up their appointment to come to the United States. When you go in and meet with this immigration official, they give you a notice to appear, which basically says you got to come back down here on this date to appear before an immigration judge to hear your claims. Wow. What do you do in the meantime? Well, those court dates, they're kind of getting filled up. And so... It's going to be hard for you to get in anytime soon. So what you need to do is come back on this date six years from now 
That's where they are in the schedule. So what did these illegals do that came and did it the right way according to Alejandro Mayorkas, not according to the law, but the Homeland Security Secretary, yeah, you're doing it the right way now. What happens to these people after they get their notice to appear? They disappear into the landscape of the United States. And if they're ever confronted, all they have to do is show their notice to appear. I'm here legally. I checked in at the southern border. I made an appointment, and they told me I could stay until my hearing. That's the latest. So numbered among all these migrants that are finding their way into the nation illegally, but kind of bypassing, and it's Mayorkas that's letting it happen. Guess what we found out? Joe Biden's Department of Health and Human Services has released among those that are being released down there thousands of unaccompanied alien children with inactive tuberculosis. They've released them into American communities, thousands of them, during the last year. A court-ordered report reviewed by Stephen Dynan at the Washington Times details just how HHS has been releasing thousands of these UACs, they're called, unaccompanied alien children with latent infections as part of the federal government's pipeline of migrant kids coming into the U.S. Nearly 2,500 kids with latent infections were released into 44 states during the past year. That's according to a court-ordered report on how HHS is treating these kids. About 126,000 total were released, indicating an infection rate of 1 in 50 of these migrant children. The government says it can't treat the kids because they're in custody for just a short time and treatment requires three to nine months. HHS is releasing infected children to sponsors and notifies local health authorities in the hope that they can arrange for treatment before the latent infection becomes active. According to the government report, HHS is not routinely treating these children with inactive tuberculosis because they typically are released quickly into the U.S. interior. But our HHS knows these kids have it. And Alejandro Mayorkas knows these kids are being released out there and they're infected and will likely spread tuberculosis. Now, this news and information, isn't it funny how bad news, it takes a long time for it to come out. It's not funny, but it happens over and over again. This report of this just happened to be found by an investigative reporter. And it makes me wonder why Biden has supercharged the inflow of these unaccompanied alien children over the past few months. Back in April during a hearing, Center for Immigration Studies Director of Policy Jessica Vaughn detailed the size and the scope of the UAC program in the first two years since Biden took office. Listen to these numbers. These kids in custody 
after crossing illegally. The numbers tripled from an average of 40,000 a year to more than 120,000 in each of the last two years. Half of the 600,000 unaccompanied minors who have been released into the country since 2012, half of them, 300,000, have got here on Joe Biden's watch. Changing the face of the nation. That's exactly what Joe Biden's doing. That's a wrap on Thursday's show. Special, special thing ahead for Friday. Steve Baker's going to join us for part of the show. And he's got some big news for us. So make sure you're back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And thank you for being here every day at TNN Live. Have a great day. Honoring ZZ Top, here is Nickelback. Yeah.